0: Uh, for just a little while, and, and I pray it'll be a help to you. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I preached through this book of the Bible already, and uh, it, it was a joy. Uh, it's always a joy to come back to this book. And, and while I was doing just a little bit of reading, uh, and over the last week, uh, we had the joy of, of going and being with the Newmans and uh, Wayside Baptist Church and uh, the blessing uh, of just being able to be with some of our church people as well while we we're there serving the Lord together, being an encouragement to them, uh, going with those teenagers and, and watching those young people get up on the platform and sing and interact and just uh, try to be a blessing was so encouraging uh, and being there and just watching what the Lord is, is doing in that church and what the Lord is going to continue to do uh, using the Newmans and, and that family there is exciting as well. And uh, then we went from there, in Dayton, Tennessee, to uh, Pigeon Forge for just a few days to uh, spend some time together as a family uh, and get away for a couple of days, and, and what a blessing that was. Uh, and, you know, it, it's needed every once in a while, and we understand that, and so we were able to go. And while we were there, uh, the Lord just continued to bring the book of Nehemiah to my mind. Uh, there is so many spiritual battles and warfare that is going on in our world today. Uh, Christians, as you, as you go and you try to uh, live for the Lord, you will find that there is a lot of opposition. But there's also, as you rest in the Lord and watch as He guides you, you'll find that He always gives you the strength that you need. He always gives you the words to say. He always gives you exactly what He desires that you would have in that exact moment. And uh, there were a couple of times when we were walking around, and you just see as things are getting worse and worse, as the devil is fighting and and God is doing a work, but as God is doing a work, the devil is always going to try to disrupt that work. And as you come to the book of Nehemiah, you find that example example if there ever was one as a matter of fact, Nehemiah, in the very beginning of this book of the Bible, the news are brought to him, and as the news are brought to him, he begins to listen to these news, and as soon as he hears and processes everything, the first thing he does is falls to the ground and weeps and mourns for certain days. And that statement, certain days, is used in such a way that we come to understand that it could have been up to three months where he was just mourning. And could you imagine for just a moment as you, you are brought news and you're mourning for three months, waiting for God to answer i would imagine if you're anything like uh, many of us that you would find yourself giving up after about three weeks or so you find yourself praying and you're beseeching the lord and asking god to show himself and as you're weeping and you're mourning and you're saying god do something days go by minutes seem like they're years and, and as it just continues to go by i can imagine nehemiah is just sitting there waiting god what do you want me to do lord i i'm, I'm hurting here i want to do something well, as he comes into the king's presence, the king looks at him, and he very simply just says, Nehemiah, what in the world's wrong with you? You've never been this way before in my presence. He goes on to share with the king what the issue is and what's taking place, and he's very honest with the king, and he sees that open door, and very simply, the Lord opens the door for Nehemiah to go and to rebuild, if you would. Fast forward to chapter number 4, and as you go and you study the book of Nehemiah, the enemy is going to continue to show up onto the scene. And can I share with you, anytime you're doing a work for God, the enemy's always lurking around the corner. He's always waiting for his one opportunity to discourage and disrupt the work of God, and he's going to do whatever he can to do that. And there have been times in the book of Nehemiah when Nehemiah was working, and the enemies would show up onto the scenes, and they want to just have a conversation And Nehemiah would look at him and say, why should I come down to you when I'm doing a great work? I have no business giving any attention to you. God's already got something for me to do. Why should I give any attention to the enemy right this very moment? Come with me to chapter number four, and you find in verse number one that it says, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. Can I put it to you this way? When Sennacherib heard the news that, hey, Nehemiah has been used of God. The wall is back up. Can I share with you that his face probably got a little red? And all of a sudden you saw that he became very angry. All of a sudden you imagine with me for just a moment as he's wroth. If you were to walk into his presence, he probably would have bit your head off. He probably would have snapped for just a few moments. He probably was not a very pleasant man to be around when the news were brought to him that, hey, look what God has done. Can I share with you in 2021, there are times whenever the enemy, not only the devil himself, but those who hate to see the work of God moving forward, that when news are brought to them, they become so hateful about it. They're angry about it. They don't want to hear about the work of God moving forward. They want to work, They don't want to hear about God doing something in their area. He says this. He was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves, will they sacrifice, will they make an end in a day, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish, which are burned. Go with me if you would move forward. We'll come back to these verses and read an entire chapter here. But look with me in verse number six. The Bible says, so built we the wall. Can I put it to you this way? As you come to chapter number four, and as the, the work is being accomplished, the work's just been finished, and what's taking place, and the Bible says in verse number six, and all the wall was joined together under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. I want to put it to you this way for just a moment. I'm going to use one of these young men as an example. Jaden, come stand right here. You got a, a mean-looking face for just a few moments, and stand right here. The, the 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 individuals bring the news to him and, and say, hey, the, the, the wall has been rebuilt. He's angry. He's wroth. He, you can imagine for just a moment he, he's throwing a tantrum. He's not happy about it. You can't smile. <laughs> he's not happy about it. He's angry. He, he cannot believe that this has taken place. And so all that's taken place and the, the mocking begins to take place, well, these feeble Jews, these, these, little, these little people. I imagine in verse number 6, as I read this chapter here, in verse number 6, as you go and you read, that as this begun, begins to come pl- take place, in verse number 3 it says, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build is a, is... If a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone. Now, Tobiah, I picture Tobiah being like that little sidekick that that really has no business being there, but he just decided he was going to follow the leader. And and so he's standing back here. And if you've ever seen some of those movies wherever, you know, you got the little sidekick, and the sidekick kind of peeks around and says something for just a moment and kind of comes back. That's what I picture Tobiah being like. Tobiah trying to be funny and trying to get his little two cents in it. He's trying to back his leader up. And in, in chapter number four, as you read verse number four, it says, "Hero." Our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity and let their, not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Verse number six. So built we the wall. All right, the news have been brought to, in verse number one, Sam Sambali. Sambalat receives those news, he's he's wroth, and all of a sudden he begins to to mock, the Bible says in verse number one, and he begins to talk down to in verse number two. And it's as though in the midst of that, they stop for just a moment, they begin to pray, they look over at Sambalat and Tobiah, and they say, And so we continued. And so we continued. Are you mad? And so we continued. You upset the wall's being built up? Watch this. And so we continued. That's what it kind of, the picture is. You can be seated. And so the enemy here is frustrated at the work of God moving forward. In chapter number four, you see a people that are so unfazed because they're so given to God. They didn't concern themselves with what the enemy had to say. Can I share with you this morning, there's going to be times in your life whenever you're doing a work for the Lord. And there's going to be times when people say certain things. And if you're so consumed by God, as it's been said many times, when you have a greater yes burning inside of you, it doesn't matter. That when the enemy is speaking, it's as though you see what's going on, but you feel more bad for them than what they're saying about you. Oh, you don't like the color of this jacket? Well, watch, I'm going to preach in this jacket. You don't like the car that I'm driving? Well, watch this, I'm going to drive this car to church with my family. I mean, that's what, that's what kind of what it looks like. Hey, you're, you're so unfazed by what the enemy has to say that you say, oh, you ain't even seen the best of it yet. Watch, God's going to continue working. If you're mad that God did this, just wait until you see what he's going to do. Hey, as you continue reading the book of Nehemiah, you'll find that Nehemiah comes off the scene and, and Ezra the scribe comes onto the scene. And Ezra the scribe, as he comes onto the scene, the people say, hey, Nehemiah, it's good if Ezra comes, but if he comes, just make sure he brings the book. And a revival breaks out. Hey, it's one thing to watch God do a, a physical work, but when God all of a sudden starts doing the spiritual work and revival breaks out, that's a whole other thing. You think the enemy's mad about a physical work? Just wait until people get on fire for God, and the enemy says, "What in the world's happening? I thought we had him." No, greater is He than is, that is in us than He that is in this world. Praise the Lord when God gets a hold of His people and begins to do a work. Nehemiah comes onto the scene and is used of the Lord. And I want to encourage you for just a few moments this morning because there's going to be a period of things that are taking place. And if you were to go and you were to study the book of Nehemiah, you'll find in the book of Nehemiah there's always a couple of periods. There's a couple of periods. The first one is a period of battling. And then there's a period of building. There's that that battling time whenever you're fighting, you're trying to do the work of God, and you're battling against it, but then all of a sudden everything settles down, and now it's time to build. And in this passage of Scripture and in this book of the Bible, specifically in chapter number 4, I want to point out some things that I pray will be a help to you because there's no doubt in my mind this morning that I'm preaching to a group of people who want to see God do something. I believe that in front of me sits people that say, God, I want to sell out to you and watch what you could do with my life. God, I want to see what you could do with my family. I want to see what you could do with our church. I want to see what you could do with Christians who just say, Hey, God, I will say yes no matter what the yes means. Lord, if it means you send me somewhere that I'm not comfortable with, Lord, yes. Lord, if it means that you have for me to come and share the gospel with this group of people that that might hate me, Lord, I'll say yes. Lord, if it means that you're going to take me out of my comfort zone and put me into a place that I've never experienced before, Lord, yes. But rest assured, there's going to be some battling. Go with me if you would. Verse number one, you see in this passage of scripture, the period of battling picks right back up. It says, but it came to pass when that... When Sen heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, "What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned?" Verse number one and two, you see the, pa- the battle of, uh, the period of battling, if you would, the period of battling. Some of you, right this very moment, you've taken a step of faith and you said, God, I'm going to say yes. I don't know what that means, but Lord, I'm going to say yes. And all of a sudden, you found yourself in the period of battling. And You're wondering, what in the world did I get myself into? What in the world is going on? And can I remind you that if God has called you to it, he'll bring you through it. And as you find yourself right this very moment, in the midst of that period of battling, you're questioning and you're, you're wondering, Lord, what did you call me to? Just remember, God called you to it. That's one of the greatest things I've had to remind myself in the last five to six years is that whenever God leads me to do something, even though it might be something that looks a little fuzzy, it might be something that I can't understand in that moment that all of a sudden I have to remind myself, hey, God called me to this. I didn't choose to do this. I didn't, I didn't choose to take this step of faith. I didn't choose to, to, to set this, this stage right here. No, God brought me to it. And Nehemiah, I can imagine, faced some days where he was saying, Lord, you've allowed me the opportunity to go and rebuild the walls. Why is this happening? Now, all of a sudden, the the enemy's mocking us. Notice all the talking that the enemy does. And you know, it's an amazing thing. Whenever someone is trying to do something, you ever notice that whenever someone's trying to, to, to do something, whether let's just use it not on a spiritual term for this moment, they're trying to do something good for themselves. Let's just say you say, you know what? I'm going to go on a diet. All of a sudden all the health experts come out, the woodworks. You say, you know what? I'm going to pay off I'm going to pay off all all of all of our debt. You know, all of a sudden all the financial experts come out. You know what? I'm going to try to do this for my family. All of a sudden everyone who's got everything worked out, they just they just pop out of nowhere. The enemy is the same way. You try to do something for the Lord, and you say, you know what, I want to to serve the Lord. All of a sudden, the people who see all the reasons why you shouldn't serve the Lord come out of nowhere. Sometimes they're your family and your friends, too. And that's why you have to remember that it's not about them. It's all about him. When I was first called to preach, I had my, my family was very supportive. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that whenever I told my parents that, hey, God is calling me to preach, and my stepdad sat me down and said, hey, it's a serious thing. If God's calling you to preach, you need to preach. If God's calling you to preach, you need to make sure that God's calling you to preach because it ain't something that you just say, hey, God's calling me to preach, and all of a sudden you go back on. No, if God's called you to preach, you preach. And I'm glad that I had people in my life that understood that this was a serious thing and said, hey, if God's called you to do it, then you must do it. And what a blessing that was. But can I share with you that there were still some people who came out of the woodworks that said, Ah, what are you doing? I went to school, went to Bible college. And while I was in Bible college, I worked at certain uh, jobs. I worked at Simon Eyes. I worked at a, a, a car detailing place. And I worked at a, a car valet place. And even some of them didn't understand what, what does that mean? When you say you're, you're called to preach, why, why would you do that? They'd ask questions like, well, how, how much does that, How much are you going to make? And I'd say, I don't know what I'm going to make. Well, what, what, what does that mean? Are you going you to be at one church? for?" I don't know what God has in store. They didn't understand. One guy, I remember we were working at Simon and, and there was one gentleman, or not Simon it was the valet the, uh, the, 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 uh, parking, and he specifically said, man, that's just, that just sounds like a wasted life. And, oh, man. Looking back now, I want to reach out to him and say, man, It's been some of the best years of my life serving God. Ain't no wasted life if you give your life to God. That's the greatest life you could live. Notice the enemy. They begin talking. It says in verse number two, "What do these feeble Jews?" When you make this statement right here, what do these feeble Jews, Sam Sam Ballot was simply stating how weak they were, and reminding them of their inadequacy and their inabilities. Can I remind you this morning that there's going to be times in your life whenever the devil wants to feed into that and remind you of that. You're not capable of doing those things. But we're reminded in Scripture, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You see, you can't do it in your own ability. But through God, you can. There have been times whenever I was going through a season or going through a difficulty and I'd say, Lord, I, I'm, I don't know about all this. And I was reminded, just rest in me. I'll bring you through it. I'll give you the strength you need. I'll give you the words to say. I'll give you the help that you need. He goes on and he says, will they fortify themselves? When he's making this subtle accusation that they are rebelling against the king and making Jerusalem a fortress, he is saying, will they fortify themselves? It's a subtle accusation here. Will they sacrifice sacrificing and put on hold because of all the damage that had happened once again. And so as you think about the sacrificing, he's saying, oh, they can't sacrifice. So it's again a little subtle jab as though that he is saying, ha, you can't do that. You can't. You're not able to. It'd be as though we're worshiping in this, in this church building that we have here, and all of a sudden one night it catches on fire. We show up on a Sunday morning, there's no church all of a sudden there are some people that walk past the church building and and they begin to mock us and they begin to talk and we're, we're standing out there and they say, Hey, you guys going to go inside and worship that God? Knowing that we can't do so. But aren't you thankful you don't have to walk into a church building to worship God? You can worship him in home, you can worship him in the store, you can worship him in your car. Man, I'm so grateful that even when we've had some of our church picnics as a church, we gather underneath that, that tabernacle out there and we get under that, that pavilion. All of a sudden, people start testifying and people start singing. and All of a sudden, there's a sweet spirit of worship in that place. The enemy, though, is he makes that statement. Will they make an end in a day? Will they make an end again? He, again, he's attacking the enthusiasm of the people by making it known that the work could not be finished in a day. This is where we fall into the temptation of, of almost thinking that we have to get everything done in our own timeline. Can I remind you, it's not on our timeline, it's on God's timeline. You start praying for someone that's, that's not saved, and all of a sudden you think that that person has to be saved. You've got to leave them. God says, hey, just keep ministering. Keep planting that seed. That seed's going to flourish. That person's going to get saved. Hey, my dad is still unsaved to this day. I've been praying for my dad since I was 16 years old praying that he'd get saved matter of fact i think i've been praying for him longer than that but i've been saved since i was 16 and started praying for him specifically when i was 16 i've been praying for my dad and he he's he's heard me witness to him many many times but he still is unsaved right now but can i share with you i believe he's going to get saved i believe there's going to come a day when my dad bows his head and confesses that he's a sinner and accepts jesus christ as his personal savior and the enemy here is making this statement as to remind them that, hey, you're not going to get this work done in a day's time. What, what, are, you even, what are you even going for? And you know why those statements are made? Because sometimes as you continue to do something day after day after day, and someone begins to continuously remind you that, hey, you're still not done. You're still not done. You're still not done. Hey, you're still not there. Look at all the work that has to be done. But the temptation comes to say, you know what, I'm done. I give up. I don't want to do it anymore. But Nehemiah would not allow that. It says, "Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned. As he asked this question in a way that the people might believe that the, the task was just, it was impossible, it was helpless. They had no hope to do it. Why would you even continue all of that's burned down. Why would you even try to rebuild when all of that's over there? It's, it's hopeless. You're, you're not doing anything. So, all of that, Sam Ballot's over here. And notice what the people do in verse number four. The Bible says in verse number four after Sam Ballot and Tobiah make the statement, they say this Hear, O our God. And they could have bowed down right there, they could have said, Hey, I'm done. Man, this is a hard work. Can I share with you that nowhere in Scripture will you find that when God calls you to do something, He says it's going to be an easy thing. But He does tell you that He'll be there with you through it. In verse number four, it says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. They could have looked over at Sam Bowen and said, you know what, guys? He's right. We can't revive those stones. We've been working for days trying to finish this, and it's still not finished. We've been We've been out here. The enemy is trying to convince us of this that it must be a it must be a sign from God that we're not supposed to continue because we've got so much pushback. No, man up, do the work. Bible says in verse number six. So built we with a wall. We could have given up. Saying, about you almost had us. Your, your your little sidekick, Tobiah, he he almost made us believe what he was saying is too, uh, to, but." We're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep moving forward. We're just going to keep living for the Lord and serving the Lord and doing what God has called us to do. So they heard all the talking. They heard all the taunting. They heard all of what, what the enemy was having to say. In verses 7 on down, you begin to see that they begin to threaten them. In verse number 7 it says, But it came to pass that when Sinbalad and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up. And that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. So not only send ballots wroth, now all of them wroth. He conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and hinder it. Can I share with you, you say you say, does the enemy really go that far? Some of you were over at the property before we ever put a bid on the property. We walked in, checked it out, just to kind of get an overview. We walk out, and we're standing there, beautiful property, nice facilities, needs a little work. And all of a sudden, we turn around, and I didn't notice it, Brother John, and some others noticed it, that some Satan worshipers had walked in there. You say, what do they want with it? They don't want anything with it. They just don't want a church to have it. They don't want God's people worshiping the true God, so they want it for themselves. He says, is the enemy really do? The enemy will do anything to disrupt and destroy the work of God. Verse number 7, as you keep reading, in verse number 8, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. Hey, y'all keep praying to your little God, your little God that ain't real. Y'all keep praying to your your, 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 your God that you, you think is going to stop the work of God. But hey, can I remind you, there's a greater God. He's living we made our prayer to our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, They shall not know, and neither see till we come in the midst of among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. You begin to see the threatenings that are beginning to take place as they begin to threaten the people. And all of a sudden, in verse number 10, the tension begins to build up. The strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed, and there is no rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Should we just give up? You'd think that'd be easier. You, you ever, you, you, some of you may be this person, but you ever think about the, the, those people who they just never give up? Like their, their one flaw is the fact that they won't stop. Do you guys ever wrestle? All right, do you guys ever put each other in a headlock? Which one of you is the one that's not that's going to pass out? That, it's you. So he's got you in the headlock. You you Your parents walking in, Jared's laying on the ground, he's passed out. Jonathan's standing there saying he wouldn't give up. It's never happened? Oh. It's never. Listen, I'm that one, but Jonathan's never, that's never happened. Jonathan couldn't do that. You guys ever wrestle? I saw you guys wrestle last weekend. Which one of you is that person? Who's who's not tapping? Both of y'all? Did you and your brother ever wrestle? Which one was it? You know what I mean? Me and my brother would used to wrestle, and my stepdad would come home, and he'd teach us some of the training and some of the moves that he would he would get, and... My, my, I, I'm, I'm one who, if I'm wrestling, I go, I just fall to the ground. You say, let the, you, three, two, one, go. I fall directly to the ground because I want to get you to the ground because I, that's, that's how. I, my brother, though, you get him in a headlock. I'm talking face purple. I was doing this right here. He's not passing out. He's not that one. He, he just, he's gonna keep going. Notice in verse number six what the Bible says. So, the, so built we the wall, and all the wall, we joined together under the half thereof. Notice the mindset that they had. For the people had a mind to work. The people, hey, they, they listen, they, were, they had such a strong mindset that we're going to work and do the work of God that as the enemy, not physically, but mentally, had them in a chokehold. Have them going like this right here, about to pass out. Have the mind that we are not going to give up. Verse number 10 comes. and The Bible says that we are not able to build the wall. Notice with me, if you would, the period of building now. They had the mindset to build. You see, they've just come from all of the battling and the, the mindset that they had. And all of this was taking place. Verse number 13. Therefore set I in lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. But did you hear what they said? Did, did you hear all of the, the mean things? Did you hear all of the, the mocking that they did? Well, how can we not How can we not be afraid of them? Notice what he says. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, for your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your house. What's the purpose of going on? If I had all those little children in the back making all that noise right here, I'd bring them forward. If I had all the kids in the nursery, I'd bring them forward for your family. What's the purpose of keep, keeping on going and, and doing the work of the Lord? These young people right here. You know, it was something special last week, going and being able to preach. I love preaching, but I was, I was more excited to watch our young people stand up and just sing about Jesus. Man, they stood up there and they sang, and they've sung time and time back here, and, and the young people will occasionally sing right there, and I just love it. You say, what's the purpose of going on? That But did you hear what they were saying? The enemy. Did you listen? You you didn't you didn't hear the things that some of the people were saying after they sang. It don't matter. It don't matter. It's not about what they have to say. It's all about him. Sing a joyful noise unto the Lord. Psalm 100 is where we were in Sunday school hour, and that first statement right there, as you find, it literally means as you turn and you break the eardrum. You're just singing. You sing it at the top of your lungs. You you, you love singing and it sounds good. Even if you don't think it does, it sounds good to the Lord. He says this, Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. Some of you will never know the impact that you had on someone else's life until eternity comes. Some of you have found yourself in church And ultimately, it was the Lord that drew you back and worked in your life, but there was someone that God used to get your attention. Some of you are that person that God is using to get someone else's attention. I said this in the Sunday School Hour. I'll say it right now. If someone walks up to you and says that your faith makes them feel awkward, just look at them and say, praise the Lord. That's what it's meant to do. And you need Jesus, too. They, they, had a, they had a mindset here. The people had a mind to work. They had a determination. They had a dedication to the Lord. They, they weren't going to back down. They had a mind to pray. In verse number 4, the Bible says, after the mocking takes place here, O oh, our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Verse number 9, the Bible says this, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. They had a mind to pray. Listen, whenever you're discouraged because the enemy has said some things or you you think that uh, they might be right about something, just remember, take it to the Lord. Cast that burden on the Lord. Let him bring you through it. If he brought you to it again, he'll bring you through it. And as he, he guides you and directs you, and as you're doing a great work for the Lord, be reminded as Nehemiah looked at the enemy and said, hey, why should I even come down? Why should I give you any of my attention? I'm doing a great work. You have nothing to offer. The world wants to tempt. The world wants you to think that, hey, uh, look at all of these fancy things. Look at what you could have. All the while, God's saying, oh, that's nothing in comparison to what I have for your life. It's nothing in comparison. They had a mind to work. They had a mind to pray. They had a mind to watch. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 9 one more time, at the very end it says, and set a watch against them day and night because of them. In verse number 16 and 17, the Bible says, And it came to pass, from that time forth, the half of my servants wrought in the work. The other half of them held both the spears. So some of them were working, some of them were watching. The work of God was going to keep going forward. Verse number 16, again, it says, The shields and bows and the habergeons and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which built it on the wall, And they that bear burdens with those that laid it. Every one with one of his hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon. Can I share with you, every single one of them had a purpose and they fulfilled that purpose. They had a mind to work. They were going to get this accomplished. Hey, uh, enemies saying whatever they want to say, they're not backing down. Verse number six again. So we built the wall. Verse number six. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto half thereof. Hey, enemy saying what? Yeah. Press on. Enemy saying something again? Just don't worry about it. Press on. What did they say this time? It's almost as though you wake up and you say, "What's the enemy going to say today?" All right. Press on. They had a mind to work. They had a mind to pray. They had a mind to watch. Can I share with you in this day and age, in the day in which we're living right this very moment, while you're working, you must be watching at the same time. You're doing a great work for the Lord. Satan's looking for that one opportunity. Hey, young people, while you serve God, just be reminded that Satan's going to attack at any given time. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to disrupt the work that you're trying to do. Be watching. Notice with me finally this morning we see this. Not only the period of building and the period of battling, but I want you to notice for just a moment Nehemiah's boldness because we need more of Nehemiah's boldness in our day and age. We need some Christians who are going to stand up and say, hey, if so-and-so is going to back down, if they're going to give up on the work of the Lord, we're not. Some Joshuas who are going to stand up and say, hey, choose ye this day. Some individuals who are going to say, hey, you're going to give up, but as for me and my house, we're going to still serve the Lord. Nehemiah, in verse number 14, the Bible says, the people are discouraged here. They've just heard all of what the enemy has to say. And it says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. Hey, don't back down right now. Keep pressing on. Verse number 20. In what place therefore ye hear the sound and the trumpet, resort ye hither unto us, our God shall fight for us. This morning, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if there's some that this morning you've walked in and you're weary and you're right on the brink of just saying, I'm done. It's just not worth it. Can I share with you, it is worth it. Serving Jesus is worth it. Nehemiah reminded the people here, and as we see in his life, he displays a couple things. Number one, he displays courage. We need some Christians who are going to stand up and be courageous, who are going to stand up and say, hey, as the world is going this way, and even as some churches are going this way, we're going to stand upon this book. And we're going to follow the Lord and watch what God does. It's not about them. It's all about him. He displayed courage. displayed confidence notice in verse number 20 he says this our God shall fight for us verse number 14 he says this remember the Lord now notice he doesn't say look what we have done he doesn't say hey remember all that we've done the last little while look at all the work that you put in no he says remember the Lord In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the time when the enemy is trying to fight, and the enemy is trying to slander, and the enemy is trying to disrupt and destroy the work of God, may it be our time where we say, hey, it's time to once again look unto Jesus. It's time once again to get our eyes fixed on Jesus and make sure that he has got all the preeminence and that he has priority in our lives. We're not focused on what they have to say because we're so consumed by what he's already said. He displayed confidence. In Scripture, you see some individuals who displayed this same confidence and courage. You think about Noah. You think it was hard for Noah to stand there and preach and to work for 120 years waiting? That's a lot. Now, you think it was hard for Nehemiah facing here? You think it was hard for Abraham and Sarah past the age of believing that they would have a child to, to, to do all that? Now, you go through Scripture and you'll find that there were some times when somebody could have just given up. Do you think it was hard for Job after everything that Job had faced? And if there was ever one who could have really taken what his wife had said, curse God and die, and said, You know what, you're right. Everything that's happened, you know what, what's it for? But he doesn't. He rent his mantle, he fell down, and he worshiped God. They had confidence, they had courage. But I believe in verse number twenty, as the end says this, and what their, what place they for ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. He had conviction. And you know what has failed this next generation and many have failed in their own Christian life and they have failed the next generation coming up is we are all convinced by something. Something happened a long time ago where we stopped being convinced by this book. We're no longer convinced like we once were. Our world isn't. Our nation isn't. No longer, as you you look at the pennies and you look at the dollars and you look at all of the signs that say one nation under God, it's no longer that that we're convinced by that. And you say, oh, yeah, the government's bad. No, 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 no. Christians a long time ago stopped being convinced by this book. We need to quit blaming everything on the nation being the the government's problem and being this and that and their problem and they're, they're the issue and they're the problem. No. How about Christians start living the Christian life once again? How about we get some conviction and get some backbone and get something behind us saying, hey, this, this book of the law shall depart out of my mouth. How about we we, we stand up and say, hey, the enemy is going to keep going further and further. Times are going to get worse and worse. But, hey, may we shine brighter and brighter. Nehemiah said, hey, the enemy is going to keep talking. Let them talk. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. Just let them. We've got a wall to build. If you continue walking through the book of Nehemiah, the wall gets built. The work's completed. Nehemiah understands that he was only there for the physical work. There's some application there. But then all of a sudden, Nehemiah says, okay, now it's time. God has a greater work to do. That's a spiritual work. You haven't been able to do some of the things that you once were. Ezra the scribe is going to come onto the scene. That's wonderful. Ezra the scribe's coming on the scene. I'm excited about Ezra the scribe coming on the scene. That's wonderful, but just make sure he brings the book. And as you go and read, and I encourage you to do so, as they stood there, go with me to chapter number 8, and we'll be done this morning. Verse number 1, the Bible says, and all the people. That that word all is a rare thing anymore. Can I encourage you? You might think that when you miss the house of God, that you go unnoticed, it doesn't. The moment that I get into the car, and the moment that me and Miss Kelly get into the car, we look at each other and we say, all right, who was missing? You're missed. You think, oh, it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. All the people. Can I share with you, sometimes you might miss for a reasonable reason. I get it. Sicknesses take place, and there are things that go on, but sometimes we choose to miss. And sometimes we're choosing to miss, and all the while God's saying, oh, man, I had something for you. That was going to be a life-changing service for you. Oh, your heart was so tender, too. And He says, all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the seventh day, or the first day of the seventh month. <clears throat> and he read therein before the street, that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday. It's a long time. Before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive. They literally were so receptive that as Ezra the scribe was speaking, it looked like this. They wanted to make sure they got everything. You ever been talking to someone and maybe they can't hear quite well. And so as you're talking, they're doing this right here because they want they want to hear. We're no longer receptive to the word of God like we once were. May we get back to it. May we get back to the place where when we open the word of God or when the word of God is open, that we literally we don't. I mean, it'd be a little awkward if every single one of you went like this every single time I was preaching. But you get what I'm saying. Having that spirit that, Lord, don't let me miss it. I want to get it all. Lord, help me to get everything that you have for me. Your ears are so turned. It doesn't matter about the enemy. You walk into the house of God. Your heart's prepared and you say, Lord, have thine own way. Let thy will be done. Speak to me. The enemy was mocking. The enemy was trying to get... The work stopped and disrupted and destroyed. Nehemiah said, "So built we the wall." You saying some more stuff? It's fine. So built we the wall. The enemy's not going to stop, but may it be said that we don't stop either. As the enemy keeps pressing on, we say, "Okay, God, we're just going to keep following." Let's, as a, as a church, as Christians, there's going to be some battles. Let's keep building. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness this morning. We thank you for the work that you've done in each of our lives. We thank you for salvation. I pray that you'd be with us this morning. Draw us unto yourself, Lord. May we find ourselves as a congregation, as Christians, as a body of believers that just say, Lord, we are at your disposal. Whatever the enemy has to say, it doesn't matter. We surrender all. Help us to be Individuals who had a mind to work and a mind to pray and a mind to watch. Help us, Lord, to follow you no matter the cost. We'll thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.